Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the one and only one-stop shop where you can go to find out what's really going on if you peel back the headlines and stare fixedly at what's crawling around underneath them. I'm Kevin Barrett with special guest Dr. E. Michael Jones of Culture Wars magazine. Hey, welcome, Mike. Good to have you back. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. Yeah, well, we have a, a pretty good show lined up here, I would say. Uh, where do we start? Well, let's start with uh, our Alex Jones picture. We talked about Alex Jones, I think, even last time. I got nothing to talk about except Alex Jones and a few other things. Um, so this is our profile image of the week. We no longer have any obligatory disclaimers, so I'm quickly going to just tell people how to find False Flag Weekly News in case you haven't figured this out. You go to truthjihad.com, which is uh, in the slide that's up on the sort of upper left. It, it will automatically redirect you to my Heresy Central Icelandic spot, which is very difficult for the bad guys to mess with. And then you click on the False Flag Weekly News link, and that will take you to False Flag Weekly News. This is the homepage, and you'll be able to watch it and check out all of the stories that we covered. And you can also subscribe at Substack, and you can donate to the False Flag Weekly News fundraiser and keep this show alive. Okay, the stories this week, we've got some good news and some bad news for you. The uh, good news is that Elon Musk is taking over Twitter. He's throwing the kitchen sink or everything but the kitchen sink. No, everything, <laughs> including the kitchen sink. That's how it goes. <laughs> throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at the little bird. And the bird is now freed. I guess he flew away when he saw that sink flying at him. And it looks like people will be allowed to exercise a much greater amount of free speech on Twitter than in the recent past. Uh, I think that's good news. What's the downside, Mike? The downside is that uh, Twitter is one of the main promoters of pornography. And the, the really bad part of it is you don't know when it's going to show up. It's completely uh, random, uh, uh, otherwise innocent searches. If you, uh, for example, are a, a pious young Muslim girl and you type in uh, hashtag hijab, you will get pornography. Uh, it's a, a, a total assault on the uh, Islamic mind, uh, and it's completely tolerated by, uh, by Twitter. So the big question is, is, uh, is uh, Elon Musk going to do something about this? Uh, or, uh, uh, which I think is even more important than whether he lets uh, Donald Trump back on. Donald Trump, by the way, said he's not going to go back on. He's got his own thing now. Yeah, I, I agree completely. In the sane era of uh, First Amendment jurisprudence, pornography, along with obscenity and blasphemy, was absolutely not considered protected speech. And then the Supreme Court, influenced by cultural trends that you have analyzed at great length in your body of work, mm -hmm. Mike, uh, started ruling that pornography was semi-protected, you know, that all of these, these things were... <laughs> Kevin, this isn't protected. This is mandatory, whether you like it or not. <laughs> this, this is mandatory pornography. Yeah. This is not just the world. The world turned upside down. It is exactly the world turned upside down because what was prohibited is now mandatory. That's yeah. the situation that has to be straightened out. We have to go back to a nationalization of these media platforms, which means they have to follow the law, which means the First Amendment and get back to the traditional settings where pornography is not protected speech, but political speech is. We have the exact opposite on Twitter, where they can ban the president of the United States of America. This is outrageous. Yeah, well, that leads me to note that I got kicked off of YouTube. My main YouTube channel just got annihilated. Uh, there goes 10,000 plus hours of stuff. All of the links to that stuff that have been posted all over the Internet are now dead links. And what was my crime? Well, I, I think the first two strikes involved one discussing American elections in such a way as to not uh, worship the inviolable perfection of the outcome of an Amer any American election. <laughs> you know, I don't know which who, who the I think you actually might have been the offender there, Mike, that at some some point you, you didn't like bow down before the idol of the elections being absolutely certain I'm, and the results I, being perfect. I apologize. Yes, you, yeah, Ma so it's all, so it's all culpa. 
<laughs> mea culpa. Uh, right. And then the uh, other I, one, yeah, go ahead. Is medical misinformation, right? So, so okay. I don't know what the third strike was. I just got I just got banned from Facebook. I think it's a 30 day ban. And it was for a post I said, which is taken from a German news source, which said basically that the Germans are now burning COVID masks to keep warm. That got me banned. <laughs> right. Post a news story they don't like, even if it's perfectly accurate. Uh, it's it's all uh, just they, they seem to be making up the rules as they go along. Well, Elon Musk, with his First Amendment orientation, I think, uh, could be an improvement. But I agree, Mike, we got to get, get back to sanity, uh, where obscenity, blasphemy and pornography obviously are no, no more protected than, than libel, slander, uh, true threats, uh, incitement to violence and criminality and things like that. I mean, we have a pretty decent uh, history of First Amendment jurisprudence that just went off the rails a little bit, maybe in 1960 or so. Uh, so so I still think that's a plus. That's a, a good news story overall. But the PayPal story, can, can you believe this? PayPal made a big deal about saying, oh, we, we're not really going to find people for posting information we disagree with. We're not going to steal $2,500 from them each time they post something that we disagree with. That's crazy. We would never do that. We didn't mean to do that. That was a mistake. And then like a week or two later, boom, it's back in, in their user agreement. <laughs> I, what's going on? Do you have any speculation about what's going on there? I mean, what, they're gaslighting it, us. All these people, they must be gaslighting us. What else could it possibly be? I mean, are they, one flip flopping one way and another over the short period of time. It's going to lead to, I mean, what happened, I think the first time is everybody took the money out of their account. And so I will never, I'll, I'll leave about 50 cents in my PayPal account so that they don't steal the money. But I mean, uh, is this ever going to be adjudicated? You know, you can do this. Uh, uh, this is precisely what we were talking about. You're wrecking the idea, the confidence. You're wrecking this idea of confidence and trust that is necessary for any type of civilized behavior. And they're That's going right. to ruin their own operation if they do it, because people will just leave. That's right. I mean, this is all the digital public square now. This is infrastructure, and it needs to be uh, treated that way. It's not some private company that can do anything they want. I mean, these days, the mom and pop shops can't do what they want. They're forced to sell wedding cakes to like, you know, three transgenders who want to marry a beagle, and they have to make the wedding cake, even if their religion tells them that you're not supposed to marry beagles, you know, only Cocker Spaniels. Right. But, uh, the, the big companies that own the public square are just running roughshod over us, and they're allowed to do absolutely anything they want. It's a complete outrage. So yes. This was yes, a bad you, news. You, you, either, you either have privilege or you have no rights whatsoever. There's no, the idea of equality before the law has evaporated. That's right. Okay, well, we'll see whether uh, False Flag Weekly News can, can continue to use PayPal uh, and post on the alternate YouTube channels. I have a couple. I have a backup channel that I've never put anything about elections or health on. And I also have where I work with the Hydria Incorporated nonprofit channel where we post my sermons. But let's move on to the, the next series of stories, the war on Alex Jones. Okay, the war on Alex Jones went nuclear. A $2.75 trillion damage, the damages that Alex Jones is being assessed just went from a billion up into the trillions. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No, a, a trillion here and a trillion there. And pretty soon we're talking real money. And that's kind of the point of my satire on this. Uh, he's now uh, ordered to pay $6 million trillion to Holocaust survivors. I mean, that would be the logical next step, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be. Uh, but that'll probably get you banned if you that 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 story. Yeah, you're the not bot, allowed to write satire the, anymore. The, the bot is, uh, doesn't know that you're kidding. Okay, let's go back to the real news story. <laughs> it, I mean, how can you tell the real news from the satire when the real news is that Alex Jones is being ordered to pay trillions of dollars? <laughs> I mean, you know, how, how can you top that with satire? It's getting harder and harder to write satire. You know, people are going to believe any crazy thing I say because the world is equally crazy. No, uh, th th this is, again, an assault on the First Amendment. That's that's what this is. They're trying to go through the back door. They will always say, yes, we believe in that. It's the legal system that is supposed to be protecting us in this regard. But this is uh, legal warfare uh, uh, created by this judge to make a point. And the point, I think, is uh, uh, taken up with your I think it's your next slide, uh, because the, the first person to uh, suffer from the new regime after Alex Jones is Kanye West. Okay, let's go to the war on Kanye. That's our, our next rubric here. And the war on Kanye also went nuclear this week. 
Kanye but, I mean, lost. Just, <laughs> just just to get back to the link here, it's it's uh, 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 I think it's uh, George Floyd's mother uh, sued him for two hundred and fifty million dollars, like right after the Alex Jones thing, because now a precedent has been set that if anyone is offended by what you say, they have uh, uh, they have a, a legal the right to to sue you out of existence. This is this is absolutely crazy. And he's Crazy. not just being sued, though. Kanye West uh, is canceled from all of his business dealings. Even his bank will no longer allow him to have a bank account. So here's a guy who had billions of dollars, although he lost at least two billion of them. He probably still has a little bit of chump change left, I would think. And I guess he has to keep it all in his pocket because the banks won't take him and all of his deals have been canceled. And now every time he's in mainstream media, he's just being beat up. Was it uh, Pierce Morgan who was beating up on him? I can't even keep track of all of this stuff. It's like an ongoing right. soap opera. But it, but it, it's uh, it's it's interesting how he's become scapegoated to this extent. He and Alex Jones now are both the uh, the scapegoats who I guess are being punished so that the rest of us see what's happening to them. And we, wow, if these if these uh, successful people uh, can be beat up this way, then you know what use would it be for you and I to actually exercise our right of free speech? Yeah. Yeah, it's proved that the Jews don't control the media, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is kind of strange that the, the way they, they show that they don't control the media is by uh, lynching you in the media. And they prove they don't control the banks by debanking you. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I guess we're not, and we're not even supposed to say that. Even noticing this is some kind of a thought crime. Yeah, that's exactly the point here. And no one's supposed to notice it. But I, I think uh, people are starting to notice it because the the victims are getting uh, they're proliferating. But this is this is an old an old tradition here uh, because of the black Jewish alliance that the Jews created in 19, I believe, 14 with the after the lynching of Leo Frank, they created uh, uh, the ADL, uh, which is now the main thought police. But they also created the NAACP which was a Jewish operation to basically colonize the blacks. And the man who discovered this was Marcus Garvey, who showed up at the uh, headquarters of the NAACP and uh, saw nothing but Jewish lawyers uh, and mentioned this. And then at that point, they created uh, the, their front man, W.E.B. Dubois, and they spent uh, the next uh, exactly the same thing. They put, a, they put Marcus Garvey because, before a Jewish judge, uh, the, the fix was in and, and they ruined the guy because he's not the kind of black that the Jews like. There's a tradition here. Bill Cosby is an even more uh, recent example. Indeed. And, and that topic of the relationship between blacks and Jews will be discussed on my live radio show. This is uh, the Friday night radio show. People can find that by way of truthjihad.com. Click on the radio link. Brother Dimitrik Muhammad of the Nation of Islam will be discussing the war on Kanye from the perspective of the nation. And their, their paper, The Final Call, put out a very interesting article about it. And, and then after that, uh, Dr. Randy Short, a uh, Christian uh, African-American uh, man of the cloth, will be providing a very different uh, interpretation. He's actually part Jewish himself. So that should be an interesting show. Uh, so Kanye, yeah, the, the, yeah, this is the article from the Nation of Islam. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so uh, the other aspect is that Kanye is also Christian. So it's a, a Jewish Christian battle as well as a uh, Jewish black battle. And the Nation of Islam folks are, are pointing out here that a whole bunch of uh, big-time uh, African-American leaders, including Martin Luther King, uh, Marcus Garvey, uh, Malcolm X, uh, uh, Desmond Tutu, and of course the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, uh, and Nelson Mandela, have all had these kinds of conflicts and been labeled anti-Semites. So Kanye's uh, walking uh, in a, a very illustrious parade here, although he's going a little farther than most of these people did, or some of them anyway. Yeah, I think I think the problem here is that you need a, a better approach here than tweeting something. Uh, it, it just seems he's leading with his chin. Uh, he, 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 anyway, that's it's uh, it doesn't change the dynamic of the situation. It's just think it would be better if he did it in a different way. Uh, more how, how should he do it? What should he do different? Write a book. 
write the book <laughs> called The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, and then you can go out there. And they won't touch you. They won't. Nobody wants to debate me over the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. Nobody. Nobody. But see, Kanye is getting more publicity in, uh, than you are. That's why. That's exactly why. <laughs> because he's got tweeting. What's yeah. That's not a real sound base from of operations. You uh -huh. need more than that. Well, you need you both. Need more than that. You need both. Well, that's why I, I both uh, write uh, and also broadcast <laughs> and, and tweet and all that stuff, as long as they let me tweet. Uh, I, this, this, <laughs> how, how about Tech Licho, this Japanese tech bro who used to work for Google? That's a picture of him down in the lower right-hand corner uh, doing this thing on why Kanye is right. And he's very low-key and very sort of pro-Jewish and obligatory nod to the Holocaust and all of that stuff. But here's the chart of the Jews in the media. And the red is uh, Jewish people. And I mean, it looks to me like that's more than 2%. How about you? It looks that way to me too. Yeah. So is it, is it a, a, a anti-Semitic to say the Jews control Hollywood? Is that <laughs> Joel Stein, uh, it must be a terrible anti-Semitic. There, there's, a, there's a book called uh, An Empire of Their Own, How the Jews Created Hollywood, uh, written by a Jew. I forget his name at this at this point. And uh, so uh, an Englishman uh, in a couple of years ago uh, was uh, trying to make his point And he he quoted this and he was called an anti-Semite for quoting a book that was written by a Jew that said the same thing. So well, he's, he's he's an Englishman. Yes, I think so. Someone's going to have to clarify this situation. What are we allowed to say? Would you how about if the ADL just tells us what we're allowed to say? They're going to have to have a whole, a whole set of categories for the different kinds of people who are allowed to say, you know, which which level of things, because, you know, for instance, obviously, if you're German, you really, really have to be careful. And then if you're British or American, you're one step removed from that. And then if you're if you're Jewish yourself, maybe you can get away with a little bit more as long as whenever you talk about Jewish power, you have to say it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's move on to Mad About Ukraine. That's our, our next category here. Uh, the mutually assured destruction quotient is rising uh, over Ukraine, looking like a mushroom cloud, more and more like one every day, in fact. So uh, let's get into the terrible, horrible stories this week. Well, here's the, the one that kind of pissed me off the most. I guess I should be angry about the imminent destruction of planet Earth and the death of most people alive uh, and horrible, painful deaths that's likely to ensue from a nuclear exchange. That's what I should really be angry about. But for some reason, the story this week that got to me was the progressive congressional caucus uh, bowing down and scraping and kissing up and, and doing the whole nine yards of apology that the you know who's wanted Kanye to do, but he didn't. Well, these people are kissing up to the military industrial complex. They circulated a, a letter just saying we should try to get a negotiated settlement and end this horrible war. And oh, man, that was the worst thought crime ever committed in D.C. And they immediately apologized for it. Yeah, well, that's because the military industrial complex is the main beneficiary of all this, other than the the uh, the people in the Ukraine, the politicians who skim it off the top, skim off money off the top. But basically, this money goes straight back to the military industrial complex so that it can make more weapons. Uh, and then they get shipped over there. Uh, the, the, the Europeans, however, are running out of weapons. It, it looks as if they... The, 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 the way that the Ukrainians have been waging this war has been absolutely catastrophic for their own troops and for all their own material. And so they're running out. Germany is running out of weapons. They're all running out of weapons. But it's a field day. It's a great day for the military industrial complex if they can get them produced in time. And that that may not happen. And of course, some of that money from the, that's going to the military industrial complex from the taxpayers gets cycled over to the Congress critters who vote for the bills for building all these weapons, selling them at high prices to places like Ukraine and many other places. And it used to be that the progressives and the extreme left and the Bernie Sanders contingent and uh, you know Democrats like Paul Wellstone, who was actually murdered because of his opposition to the military industrial complex and its wars, these people actually had some guts. And today, uh, there aren't any anymore. Um, and Putin notices that the only sane people in the West are no longer the progressives. They're actually the conservatives. 
And his latest speech uh, was he sounded like the right wing Westerners. Uh, he's he, he agrees with those of us in the West who hold traditional values. And he thinks the people who believe in, in a dozen genders and things like that are, are a little goofy. And he doesn't really want them to take over the world. And I don't really blame him. No. And I think one of the great uh, changes in politics is the loss of uh, conservative support for uh, these wars. If you go back to the Vietnam era, this was the backbone of, of support. I don't know whether you remember the hard hats uh, in New York City who would wear flags on their on their hard hats. That 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 uh, support is gone, as far as I can tell. I, I don't. It's, see- it's getting back to like the pre World War II with uh, the uh, the America First people. America First is making yeah, it's making a comeback across uh, across the board. It's making a comeback. I think it's the only coherent foreign policy that is left. I was I was invited to speak at uh, Hillsdale, the conservative college in Michigan, uh, and I couldn't, uh, the students wanted me to speak, but they couldn't get a room because it's not legit. It's not a legitimate form of conservatism at Hillsdale. So they had to host me at a restaurant. So I said, well, what's the name of your club? And they said it was the uh, Charles Lindbergh Aviators Club. So it's there waiting to come out, but the conservative establishment is suppressing it. Well, I'm glad you didn't get the reception that the uh, that uh, Gavin McGinnis recently got at the University of Pennsylvania, where he and that Stein guy, that comedian, uh, got spat upon and basically started a riot just for trying to hold a, a comedy event at Penn State. Um, so uh, yeah. I hope those people don't come out for you next time you show up. Uh, here, here's another Ukraine-related story. James Gordon Meek. The ABC News journalist disappeared back in April and seemed to be plugged into the national security state. He may be even an undercover CIA-related kind of character, and he just essentially disappeared off the face of the earth. So when a, a high-ranking ABC News journalist who was plugged into the top level of the Ukraine war type decision makers suddenly just disappears off the face of the earth, it may, kind of makes you scratch your head. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, was was there any indication that he was going to go rogue? That he was going to tell the truth about something? Uh, I don't. How how would that be possible now? How would that be possible? Because as soon as you try to do something like that, you get banned from uh, ABC News. So I, I don't. I, it's kind of mysterious to me. Well, yeah, there are a few people out there who've uh, managed to to go rogue, uh, but they. Uh, I don't think they do if they have like secret actual intelligence. Um, and now, I guess, you know, intelligence gets more and more critical as you move into more and more intense warfare and, and deeper into wartime. And that seems to be happening here. Here's, here's this article from, uh, what was it, the World Socialist website, I think, on the U.S. expanding mil- its military presence near the Russian border. U.S. Army's uh, 101st Airborne Division deployed to Europe for the first time since World War II. And essentially, the same story was presented uh, in, in actually less uh, objective, neutral, dispassionate terms. This is the World Socialist website, which is pretty uh, normally pro-peace and you know they have a strong point of view, their alternative. But look at what Newsweek is saying here. American troops prepared to engage in war on Russia and they're cheering for it. Uh, you know, normally you would think it would be the World Socialist website that would say that American troops are prepared to engage in war on Russia and everybody would just know that that's a bad thing. But now it's reached the point that our mainstream media is so bellicose that it seems like they're way out ahead of the military leaders and they, they're all out for a nuclear war. And the, the USS George H.W. Bush is now in action. You know, they're getting ready for, uh, for World War III. And uh, I, I thought I would never see the day that our media would reach this level of insanity. You know, back in, in the Cold War period, they kind of, well, they didn't like the Vietnam War that much. They offered a certain amount of balanced and critical coverage of things like uh, very, you know, nuclear posture, Dr. Strangelove type things. Now the media is all war all the time. What, what happened to it, Mike? It got eaten up. Uh, well, first of all, Newsweek, Newsweek uh, it failed. It was, I think, it was sold for a dollar or something like that uh, because nobody. Uh, they ran into the problem of running a magazine in the age of the computer. So at this point, the economic pressure just squeezed out any anyone who was uh, willing to do real journalism. 
And so uh, they lost their they lost their audience and then they lost their meaning and they, they regrouped and repurposed themselves as propaganda outlets, uh, overt propaganda outlets as opposed to covert propaganda outlets. This this is this is the problem here when it comes to politics uh, in Germany, for example, the only party that I can tell that has a rational foreign policy is the Communist Party of, of Germany. Uh, their platform is get out of NATO and make peace with Russia. That's the only coherent policy and the only party that's willing to espouse it is the communists. And here, the extreme left seems to be totally in bed with the military industrial complex, the war profiteers and the uh, neocons. Uh, very strange. Well, here's a defector from the neocons, Jeffrey Sachs. We mentioned people going rogue. And Jeffrey Sachs, as Ron Unz calls him, has become kind of a rogue elephant. He's uh, <laughs> that the story didn't actually mention him, of course, because he's he's almost completely blacklisted from the mainstream media now, even though he's supposedly one of the world's most 100 top 100 influential mainstream people. But uh, the New York Times, and that's the New York Times article there on the left that doesn't mention Jeffrey Sachs, still, they still can't figure out who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Who could have done it? A long, long story, blah, 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 uh, avoiding the uh, elephant in the living room that was exposed by the rogue elephant in the living room, Jeffrey Sachs, which is obviously the Americans did it. Yeah, this was uh, on Bloomberg. Uh, he got chastised by that that fat guy with the glasses on. And that expression, that's the expression <laughs> on his face. It's worth a thousand words. To uh, to see what happened here. This is this is uh, act. The story has died in Europe, as far as I can tell. And now, uh, uh, as proof of it, you've got the Greens who are basically tearing down windmills so that they can dig coal again. The Greens are going to start burning. Well, there's, there's a lot of coal down there in the earth under the windmills, Mike. No, there is a lot of coal in Germany. That was their main source of energy. Uh, before the Greens came in. And now the Greens are going to burn soft coal, which is pollutes a lot, rather than question who blew up the pipeline. This shows you to the extremes to which these people will go uh, to tie themselves into knots so that they can avoid the obvious issue, which is that their country is totally ruled by NATO to their detriment, even to the point of uh, point, uh, extinction of freezing to death in their apartments this winter. That shows you how far gone they are because of the social engineering that was imposed on them after World War II. That's right. Nobody's allowed to say the obvious here, except for Jeffrey Sachs. And of course, the, the reaction he's going to get is pretty much what you see on his face here. Well, the obvious has been said, and let, let's, I don't know if this is going to work. I, I don't know if I can show you this video because I think we had to enable the sound for the videos, which I don't think I did. But anyway, just Google this and watch this video. Who blew or use a better search engine like Yandex? Uh, who blew up Nord Stream pipelines? A mystery. And uh, you'll get to see a whole lot of people telling you more or less who blew up the pipelines. It's quite hilarious. Uh, it starts out with, of course, uh, Biden talking about there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2 because we're going to you know, do whatever we have to do to get rid of it. And obviously he made good on his threat. But the New York Times, again, going back to their story here on the left, they can't they don't even mention it. they don't breathe a word of any of that. They go through this long, uh, long winded nonsense uh, about these so-called investigations and uh, completely avoid the obvious it's it's kind of humorous really well what about sweden what about the countries uh, the sovereign countries who are uh, investigating this are they going to suppress their own investigation uh, uh well, i think they have uh, actually uh, well <laughs> where is that going to lead where is this going to lead what is what does this mean uh, sweden is a is, isn't was it sweden that's applying for membership in nato now it's sweden and uh nor and uh, uh finland right the new two new countries that want to join yeah. nato yeah. and the first thing they do uh when you join nato is suppress the fact that uh, the the people you're joining blew up the pipeline and you can't tell the truth about it well because yeah they probably help them it's the thing is is the you know this this nato this NATO power structure has gotten so far out of control that, uh, well, speaking of the NATO, of the power structure getting out of control, let, let's move over to the biowar category. We had uh, some biowar news this week. The uh, SARS-CoV-2 lab origins hypothesis just got buttressed by what soon will be a peer-reviewed paper. It's in preprint right now, and it's it's called Endonuclease Fingerprint Indicates a Synthetic Origin of SARS-CoV-2 by uh, three experts 
And this is probably more kind of belaboring of the obvious, sort of like pointing out that the U.S. and NATO blew up the pipeline, but uh, in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere, we're not allowed to even speak the obvious or mention the elephant in the living room. It is helpful to have these kinds of papers out there proving what we all knew two years ago. Yeah, but so what? So who's, who's going to put the bell on the cat here? Who's going to draw the conclusions and make the proper decisions? Only government has the power to stand up to these entities. And uh, the government is the victim of regulatory capture. So uh, again here, who's, we are now, if you're watching television, we are now entering another season of COVID or uh, flu uh, shot uh, mandates uh, expanded for other people uh, at the same time that we're getting reports of all the vaccine injuries that are taking place. When is someone going to adjudicate this, this type of thing? When is someone going to say uh, it's one or the other? Okay, either this is true and therefore we have to do this or that is true. But we can't have this kind of both contradictory uh, stuff going on. Well, Steve Kirsch thinks that if and when the Republicans win the midterms and take back the Congress and people like uh, the, uh, you know, like Rand, Rand Paul uh, and, and uh, other other leading Republicans, uh, Ron Johnson here in Wisconsin are in a position to investigate COVID origins and these other COVID scandals that we might actually get some action. So yeah, you're right. Only the government has the power to do anything about it. And we'll see whether that happens. I personally think that's a good enough reason for me to vote for Ron Johnson. I disagree with him about various things, social security, a lot of other things, but he's an honest guy and he really is dedicated to getting to the bottom of the COVID scandal. So I'm, I'm, I actually knocked on doors for him for a few hours, and I'll certainly vote for him. And that could be one of the upsides of uh, the Republican side winning what in many ways is kind of a meaningless election. Well, more COVID scandals here. Uh, Gert Vandenbosch, and here, maybe I can, I can show you his face because you and I are, are covering Gert's face, which isn't very nice. We don't want to do that. So here, let's, let's show you uh, Gert himself. Um, come on, Gert. There you are. Uh, he's been warning that the COVID policies, uh, especially the policy of mass vaccination during a pandemic, uh, are highly counterproductive. That particular policy, he says, could lead to immune escape. And it did. It bred the Omicron variant, which was vastly more contagious than the original COVID. Fortunately, and maybe we just got lucky, it was less virulent. But he thinks that the pool of vaccinated people, there's so many of these vaccinated people whose immune systems have been primed for that original COVID that they built that shot for and kind of got stuck there, that now we're going to see this, uh, this uh, boy, what, what, what's it called? The, um, uh, the, the paradoxical uh, viral, uh, using the antibodies, ADE, anti antibody enhancement uh, uh, effect, where the previous antibodies from the earlier COVID shots and to some extent earlier infections, but a much lesser extent, that's going to enable this plague to get even worse. So who knows whether it'll turn out to be right? I hope not. But uh, so far, he's batting at least 50%, which is batting 500 is pretty good in baseball. And uh, I, I, I'm still listening to what he's saying. You know, no, nothing he said has yet been discredited. So the point is that the more you get vaccinated, the more likely you are to get sick. Well, that's that's what the latest studies are all showing. They're all clearly the, the percentage of the new COVID uh, patients and the people when they whether they are looking at people who actually come in and get tested, whether they're doing random surveys. What they're finding is that a, a higher percentage of people who have been vaccinated, the more you've gotten vaccinated and boosted in general, with a few little exceptions, the more likely you are to catch COVID. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean the more likely you are to get to get hospitalized and die. But in a couple of these, that's actually been true, too. So the trend line is running against the vaccines. And you can, yeah, you can see a stealth withdrawal from vaccines. Is there anything people can do about this? Is there anything you can do to if, if like buyer's remorse? <laughs> like, yeah, but suppose you've already been boosted. Uh, stop getting boosted. That will help you because the more you get uh, vaccinated, the worse your immune system is going to be. Is there anything that you do to clear this up? Can you like prayer? Can you repent? Can you go to confession here? Like the, uh, or is that, 
there's no biological equivalent here to to uh, repenting for what you did. Is there an yeah. anti- antidote to what to this? Well, I would say prayer would definitely be one of the antidotes, and probably getting in decent physical shape uh, and getting plenty of sun for vitamin D would be a couple other things you can do. And uh, having a stockpile of ivermectin around along with the other stuff in whichever of the treatment protocols you're gonna be using probably wouldn't be a bad idea either. So there are things you can do uh, starting with prayer. And uh, I think we all better pray that Geert Vandenbosch's worst predictions don't come true because it, uh, if you think the pandemic has been a pain so far, uh, I hate to even think of what it could become if he's right. And he, he points out, that the very, you know, I, I just wrote an article about this based on uh, last week's False Flag Weekly News. Here, here's my article about the massacre of the innocents, the uh, child vaccine sacrifice. And it's just so stupid in so many ways to be mass vaccinating these little children who have a virtually zero probability of uh, dying from COVID. And it's their probability of being harmed by the vaccines are obviously uh, considerably higher than that. And so forcing them to participate in this experiment is a war crime under the Nuremberg principles or a crime against humanity rather. And it's uh, also medically incredibly stupid, uh, even if what Gerd van den Bosch is saying is if there were a 25% chance that was true or even a 10% chance, it would be just incredibly bad medical policy because it's actually the kids who can uh, develop immunity naturally to this disease. And we need that pool of people with that natural immunity and vaccinating them is actually messing with that. And according to Garrett Vandenbosch, it's going to make the whole uh, pandemic worse for everybody. So there are so many of these ways that vaccinating these little kids is wrong. The decision last week to do this may go down in history as one of the worst decisions ever. Do you think the real hidden grammar here is uh, population control, depopulation? You know, I, I, I'm starting to think so. You know, you've talked about this for a long time. You know, you always had that issue, you know, high on the agenda in the spotlight. We talked about this in Iran. We talked about it with those mullahs in Qom. And uh, I was always sort of agnostic. But I'm coming around to thinking that you and, and some of these other people talking about the depopulation agenda, people like Kevin Galilee, uh, who wrote a book about it, uh, are probably onto something. It certainly looks like co- both COVID and the vaccines may have anti-fertility effects. Uh, we don't have a news story about that this week. But yeah, I'm going to have to probably say that you're right, Mike. And a war on children is a, w- a war on population, obviously. You want to have fewer children if you want to lower your population. And uh, I, I went one step further in this article, which was based on last week's False Flag Weekly News show. And it, it's going still going a bit viral. It just got picked up by Lou Rockwell today. Uh, and the basis of the article is, is this comparison of the new Vax the Kids policy and human sacrifice. It really is as if, you know, the, what people are thinking is that we just have to Vax all these kids, not so much to help them because they're not threatened by COVID, but to save their grandparents. Okay, so we're going to sacrifice the kids to save the grandparents. Uh, that sounds a little bit like what they used to do with uh, Moloch. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. By the, by the way, the whole uh, uh, policy of the Morgenthau plan after World War II was uh, to, to strip the energy and basically uh, destroy, uh, k- kill off about 20% of the population by starving them to death. Uh, that never got uh, fully implemented, but there was a crucial moment in 46, 47, that winter, when the Germans uh, were starving. There's no question about it. Uh, so it, it seems to me that we're, we're coming back. We always come back to the same sort of tropes, uh, no matter how we look at it. There's always some type of new way of bringing about the old end, uh, and they don't seem to want to give up on them. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the depopulation angle is, is uh, pot, that could end up being the main purpose of COVID. I mean, I still think it was probably a biowar strike on China and Iran, but there may be another layer too. Well, speaking of the war on children, uh, not only are they trying to shoot up all these kids with a totally useless and quite likely very dangerous uh, experimental concoction, but this child mutilation frenzy where the teachers try to brainwash the kids that they're the wrong gender and need to be surgically and or chemically mutilated has been all, become all the rage in our schools. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I did a lot of homeschooling of my kids, but 
today, if, it, you know, if I had school-age kids, I don't think I would let them go to school for a single day. And Tulsi Gabbard, the liberal Democrat who ran for president, she's the most peacenik, left-leaning, anti-war type person out there, is uh, also horrified. Uh, so I don't know why anybody isn't. As some indication uh, that the the uh, uh, the universities are going along with it. Notre Dame University, uh, the dean there, who happens to be a Holy Cross priest, announced uh, at a video did a video that had to be watched by all of the incoming freshmen, in which he said that Notre Dame supports homosexuality, supports sodomy, which we all knew. But then he extended it and said, "We also support transgenderism." Uh, this is they, it's the latest they, flavor of the month. And, and and so this it occurred to me at this point, uh, what happens if some 18 year old comes to this priest uh, for counseling and suppose this uh, troubled 18 year old guy says, I think I'm I'm a girl. What's this priest going to tell him to go for it, to engage in this type of mutilation, self mutilation? This, this shows you the depth to which uh, uh, this culture has descended. And also, basically, the, how the Catholic institutions like Notre Dame, which were created by the church, have now been turned into the exact opposite, where they are now fighting uh, Catholic doctrine and implementing this inhumane ideology that's imposed on them by the government. And, and now it seems like we're on the brink of World War III, uh, and the point of World War III is to make the world safe for child mutilation. And our evil arch enemy, Putin, the uh, new Hitler, or one of the new Hitlers, along with Kanye West, Alex Jones, and maybe both of us, I don't know, uh, he's openly saying that, you know, he has no quarrel with anybody in the West who's, you know, trying to maintain uh, traditional humane values. And it's these crazed elites that he has the problem with. And he's probably right. It's it's weird to be living at a time when your country is about to destroy the world because it's so important to have a war with a country led by this demonized individual who's speaking simple common sense while your own leadership is speaking insanity. Speaking of insanity, how about the latest uh, trans scandal where uh, this girl playing volleyball had a serious head injury after she got hit with a 75 mile an hour uh, serve or whatever it was, uh, slammed into her by a uh, male athlete who says he's female and therefore gets to play on the girls' team. Yes, this is the cunning of reason. The, the logic of this sexual degeneration is going to destroy Title IX. And it's exposing the fact, the illusion behind Title IX, which is that male and female are equal when it comes to sports. That was always an illusion. And now we're being faced with that illusion as the the uh, the juggernaut here, the gender juggernaut destroys itself. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this is part of the reason that the Republicans are going to probably beat the polls. Uh, the polls are already showing a Republican surge. Uh, and at a time when the media is the propaganda machinery is overwhelmingly against them, they're still going to win because despite all of their other bad policies, they're the least crazy on these kinds of issues, these culture wars issues that you've been talking about for your whole career, Mike. So, I mean, you're yes. way ahead of the game. And now the world is starting to say, you know, I think, you know, the stuff that E. Michael Jones has been talking about all these years, maybe there's something to it. Um, and, and another of the areas where you're ahead of your time, Mike, is in you're aware of these Iran-related issues, uh, partly because we ended up going to some conferences there until the Israeli head of the U.S. Treasury Department sanctions program told us we'd be arrested if we went to any more of them. So we stopped going, being obedient, law-abiding Americans. Uh, let's move to the war on Iran news for this week. Uh, Hezbollah leader Syed Hassan Nasrallah says that this latest horrific terrorist attack on the shrine in Shiraz, and we've been to these shrines, we've been to the shrine in Qom, uh, the shrine in Meshed. Uh, I've never been to the shrine in Shiraz, uh, but somebody, some ISIS, so, you know, CIA ISIS character uh, blew himself and 15 plus people up, killed uh, at least a couple dozen and injured a huge number. Uh, I mean, these shrines are such beautiful places, uh, these religious shrines and these people who are attacking the religious shrines as part of this war on religion, which is really, I think, what this is all about. The, you know, the CIA has whipped up uh, an anti-Islamic frenzy in Iran. And this is manifesting itself in violence as the CIA paid stooges are, are attacking buildings, rioting, burning things, attacking police. 
and their uh, terrorists are blowing up shrines. And this is all supposed to convince the Iranian people to abandon their religion, abandon their religiously oriented government. I don't think it's going to work. How about you? I, I don't understand how this fits in with the hijab uh, uh, insurrection. Is this is this an indication that the hijab uh, insurrection is dying down, and so therefore they have to go to phase two here? It seems to me that it's counterproductive. I don't I don't see that these one enhances the other, uh, the, like this terrorist attack on the mosque. Is that a sign of desperation that the hijab thing is not working out the way they hoped? I mean, the 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 way the CIA wants it to work out. I've talked to people. I've I've been I've been uh, actually I was uh, contacted and they uh, they want me to write an article. So I've been talking to people in the Iranian diaspora and they're telling me that there's maybe on, on either side there's a, a like the CIA is on the one side and then the regime is on the other side. There's just vast group of people in the middle who simply uh, are are satisfied. They're worshiping God as they understand Him and they don't want the regime to go down and they're going to prevail. That's the sense I'm getting from the people I'm talking to. And does that mean they have to go into another, a more desperate phase? Is this like the setting off the dirty bomb in the Ukraine as a sign of that the Ukrainian troops are losing? Is that what's going on here? Well, you know that they're getting pretty desperate when they have to use the MEK, this notorious terrorist group, as the uh, the cat's paw and the, kind of the, the spearhead, the tip of the American spear. I mean, this, this is a group that the Iranian people absolutely hate. And yet the MEK is really big and their their friends are really big in pushing the anti-hijab protest. That's probably one of the reasons why a lot of Iranians want nothing to do with that. So yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I think that they're getting desperate. They're just destabilizing Iran by every possible method. Uh, and maybe they're accelerating it now with this ISIS is us terrorism. Well, that's and Zionist power, of course, is related to this. And let's talk about the Zionist power stories this week. Mint Press uh, posted this expose of Rishi Sunak, the new prime minister, uh, after the previous prime minister couldn't outlast a head of lettuce. So Rishi Sunak is the new prime minister, and he is reiterating his support for recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel because he's bought and paid for by the Zionists. Uh, His family business is basically uh, partnered with Unit 8200, the notorious signals intelligence corps the Israelis have used to penetrate the communications of pretty much everybody in the world, including the US, and that's precisely how they were able to get away with 9-11, is they could listen to us, we couldn't listen to them, and so their assets in the US, the PNAC people and so on, were able to blow up the World Trade Center, attack the Pentagon, and blame it on Israel's enemies. So Unit 8200 is uh, pretty uh, powerful and proficient, and I guess Rishi Sunak, due to his connections with them, is able to listen to all of us. I guess we should be really careful what we say about him. Yes. Well, I hope he's not listening. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, it's the same problem you have across Europe. You had uh, Giorgio Maloney coming to power in Italy. She gave a, a flaming culture war speech that I'm sure resonated with uh, Vladimir Putin. The same type of uh, thing, you know, don't call me parent one. I'm a mother, uh, all this type of anti-gender ideology stuff. But then, uh, oh, wait a minute. She's a big supporter of Israel. How, how this is it, the incoherence that is haunts every conservative candidate in the world, as far as I can say, or certainly in America and, and Europe. Same problem with Ron DeSantis. Great guy. You know, oh, oh, well, he passed a law making it illegal to criticize Israel. When is this going to break? When is it, is it possible to have a conservative who actually represents the interest of his own people without uh, swearing allegiance to Israel? Apparently, Israel or the Jews hand out licenses that allow these people to come to power. There seems to be no exception to the rule, as far as I can tell. If we ever did have a sane America First movement, the first thing the America First movement would do would be to kick the Zionists out and take back power for Americans who care about America. But we aren't there yet. Maybe we're getting there, though, over in Australia. First, first step. First step should be eliminate dual citizens from every aspect of government. Absolutely. It's the least we could do. Over in Australia, they haven't done that. But the current government did just reverse the previous government's policy of recognizing Jerusalem or occupied Al-Quds as the 
eternal capital of the Jewish state. And that was, of course, a Trump initiative. Trump, Mr. America first. He was the most Zionist-owned leader America's ever had, which is really saying something. But apparently uh, Australia has really pissed off the Zionists by uh, walking this one back. But they're really just recognizing global public opinion. That is, this insane so-called Abraham Accords deal was a complete joke, and it, it never took... And it's pretty much dead, except among these bought and paid for Israeli supporters like Rishi Sunak. Yeah, I can't figure out what's going on in Australia. I think I I thought that they were America's proxies to fight Chinese expansion in the islands like the Solomon Islands or something like that. How this figures into that and how this I I have no idea. You're going to have to explain this to me. Well, they they have their own internal where this came from. I, I have no idea where this came from. It's, it's their own internal politics, just like there are factions. You know, there, there are, there's a faction here in the U.S. that thought the Abraham Accords was insane. Uh, and I think that's actually in some ways a more sophisticated faction, sort of the more liberal establishment faction here. And there's that kind of faction over there, too. So seeing this idiotic uh, Trumpian initiative go down in flames, it's not just because it's idiotic, but it's because even the sort of you know liberal elite mostly realizes that that's idiotic. Uh, and uh, Trump, of course, the bane of the liberal elite is always in the news. Uh, and the war on Trump continued. Uh, this was a really interesting New York Times piece, Mike. Uh, it's analyzing Trump's following and pointing out that Trump gets the most votes in places where there is both a demographic and economic transition happening in these places where the white majority is dwindling faster and faster towards the day that America becomes majority minority, which is projected to happen before 2050, in those regions where the white majority is disappearing fastest and where the economy is collapsing the most and where the blue collar jobs, such as they still are, are disappearing fastest and the people uh, are poorest, that's the places that are voting for Trump. So I guess this was kind of obvious, but the New York Times had to do a very careful study to discover it and then be very careful about how they talked about it. Yeah, this strikes me as a dog bites man story. I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand the, the point of this. Yeah, we it's didn't really obvious. learn the whole It's obvious. I saw, that, I saw that in South Bend, Indiana, when Trump showed up at the, uh, at the election. Thousands of people, big, biggest, probably the biggest gathering in the history of South Bend. And it was all the disaffected from uh, the working class. Uh, and not just jobs, the white working class, though. There's there's some Hispanics and some blacks who support Trump. All I saw was the white working class okay. in South Bend. That's all I saw. And their jobs. The biggest rise he got was when he complained about uh, the uh, Whirlpool sending their factory down to Mexico. That was the thing that really got them upset. And that's why they voted for him. Yeah, he's the only one who's willing to talk about that stuff. So you got to give him some credit, even though uh, he turned into the world's biggest Zionist slave once he got in office and he didn't get a whole lot done. Uh, well, the tr- problem, though, is I think that our elections are it's not that they're rigged in precisely the sense that some of the Trump supporters think. Uh, I think it's more likely they're rigged, actually, in the way that the Democratic uh, election integrity people have been saying since 2000, 2004. The computer vote theft is probably a bigger problem than the stuff that the Republicans are worried about. But the fact is that ultimately our elections don't matter because the powers behind the scenes are pulling the puppet strings of both parties. The billionaires are funding them and the CIA is infiltrating them. CIA is prevented by law from operating in the United States. And yet, and yet... Uh, here's Jeremy Kuzmarov's article about the massive evidence that Bill Clinton smuggled cocaine for the CIA while he was governor of Arkansas. He oversaw the MENA op- airport operation. Uh, and that's just the tip of the iceberg here. Pretty much every American president since uh, George H.W. Bush has been a CIA asset, with the possible exception of Donald Trump, uh, the probable exception. He was more of a, a, a kosher Nostra asset. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- th- this article really goes into the history of the Clintons. And you'd think that Clinton's liberal supporters would be a little more upset that the guy is a big time criminal drug smuggler, uh, murderer. You know, the, Christ- the Clinton death count is off the charts. A total gangster figure, absolute gangster who offshored our manufacturing, was responsible for destroying all those working class jobs that you were just talking about, Mike. And yet he's still a hero of what passes for the left. What's up with that? No, he's got privilege. You either have privilege or you have no rights. And this is precisely uh, what he had. 
the CIA was involved in uh, MK Ultra. MK Ultra got applied to the United States of America. The only guy who really got it, I think, was Harry Truman. And he announced shortly after Kennedy was murdered that uh, the CIA was a rogue operation and he regretted bringing them into existence. So uh, how, how do you bring them? Uh, uh, this We don't seem to have anything of what we had in the 1970s. You had the church committee hearings where they looked into what the CIA was doing. Uh, and then Jimmy Carter came to office and tried to do something about what the CIA was doing. And it all ended up with Jimmy Carter being driven out of office by George H.W. Bush, who uh, orchestrated uh, the uh, hostage crisis in Iran uh, to the benefit of the Republicans. So who, <laughs> the question is, is it possible? Is it possible to rein in this monster? I don't know. It's probably going to take a lot of people working together to do it. And that's going to be tough because the way that we organize now is on the Internet. And these big Internet outfits like Google are CIA linked. Google Alphabet, according to my ex-CIA contacts, is it's not just a total black ops CIA front that's running around the world doing mayhem, but it's actually one of the nastiest ones that was directly involved in the chemical weapons false flags in Ruta, Syria, and some of the other nastiest business. So Google is CIA, just like the NED, National Endowment for Democracy, is a CIA. Google is a CIA front, and it's been shown by these academic papers published as much as a decade ago that search engines can totally determine election results. And currently, Google seems to probably be siding with the Democrats. Uh, perhaps they're the more CIA acceptable party. And the way they do this is by making sure that the email asking for contributions, if, if you're a Republican, it'll go into your junk box. And if you're a Democrat, it won't. And they also manipulate returns on what you type in and what you see. Like, uh, as I recall, in, in 2016, there were some, uh, like, if you tried to get Clinton death count, you know, at some point they tweaked it so that you would type in Clinton and death. And instead of having Clinton death count or whatever pop up, uh, you know, something unrelated would. So they they manually tweak their search engine results to uh, make sure that people see the information that they want them to see to get the desired results. And that does raise questions about how we're going to get this tyranny off our backs. Yeah, when is the, when are the people going to take control of these utilities and use them for the common good? This, by the way, is exactly what happened in Ireland with the manipulation of information that led to the referenda on abortion and and gay marriage. And now the Irish they they invited Google in. They thought, oh yeah, great jobs, and Google just conquered the whole country. They took over the entire country, and now the Irish are finally starting to wake up and realize what happened to them. They got a bad case of buyer's remorse. But I think it's I think Ireland is a much better situation than, let's say, England, because I think they still have a cohesive culture that once you explain things to them, I think they'll be able to turn things around. Okay, well, I hope somebody can turn things around uh, somewhere, and we'll see uh, whether it happens first in Ireland or or here or or uh, wherever. Well, I think we're we're getting pretty close to the end of the show here, so uh, let's see what what's our our final rubric here. Oh, the the Hitler album. Uh, no, we're not talking about Third Reich and Roll by the uh, <laughs> oh, what was that band called? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the residents, I think it was the San Francisco uh, new wave punk band called the residents third Reich and roll. That's a good Hitler album. And uh, the Ramones did a wonderful uh, song called Blitzkrieg Bop. Uh, I forget which album that was on, but no, the Hitler album we're talking about is the uh, <laughs> Kanye West album His 2018 album of some other title, which I don't know because I haven't really listened to this guy's music all that much uh, was supposed to be called Hitler, but apparently his Jewish agent nixed that. And Why? Uh, in this, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, and, and and here's I love this sentence from the article. I mean, the whole media, of course, is is just scapegoating and, and burning Kanye at the stake. And this sentence, uh, the father of four spoke openly about reading Mein Kampf, the 1925 autobiographical manifesto written by the Nazi party leader. He openly spoke about reading Mein Kampf. Oh my goodness. I mean, I've read Mein Kampf, not as it because I'm a Hitler fan, but because I was curious about what this important historical figure had written in this best-selling book. But I guess if Kanye West read that book, that proves that uh, he's he's a, a Hitler lover. And uh, 
And what, you know, I, I'll have to go back and look at that 2018 album to see if there's some sort of a Hitler theme there. But it just sure looks to me like the media is ha just having a, a mindless feeding frenzy. Yeah, but it strikes me as a kind of mindless thing to do anyway. I mean, isn't, isn't this, are, are you just trying to get a reaction here? Isn't this the Probably. problem? I, I think that's the problem with uh, with Kanye's, uh, what should I say, with his jihad? Uh, I don't see it going anywhere. This should have been, he should have thought this out more. Uh, and now he's just being becoming an example of of Jewish power and how they can crush you. I, I, I wish I wish I had had a chance to talk to Kanye. But the whole point of the control here is to prevent unauthorized conversations among oppressed people. And so we're all kind of isolated and we can't talk to each other and, and help each other out. Well, I don't know if Kanye has a plan or not. Um, you know, I guess uh, Hitler had a plan and look where that got him. But if Kanye's plan and he, if he does have one and it works out, then we're all going to have to be saying Heil Kanye, which is, of course, this meme. And I guess that's what we're going to leave it because uh, we don't have uh, any other stories on our list this week. But God willing, we will be back next week. Same time, same channel with False Flag Weekly News and back with you, Dr. E. Michael Jones, within a month or so of now because you've become a regular and you, you have a steady base of fans now who love your stuff on this, your work on this show. We got like almost 20,000 uh, views last time you were on. So uh, I certainly hope you will come back. Thank you. Thank you. We won't have to call the show Hitler to, to get attention. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. All right. Take care, Mike. Thanks to our viewers okay. and supporters and see you all next week. Uh, God willing. Okay. okay. Peace.